Did you know the Bible says that most people live in lifelong bondage to the fear of death? Do you? Stay tuned for a biblical response to this problem. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I are delighted to have our pastor as our special guest today. He is Glenn Meredith, the pastor of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas. Pastor Glenn, it's so good to call you pastor now that I'm a member of your church. Well, thank you. <laughs> this guy is a great pastor. <laughs> thank you. And also a great preacher. Very much so, In yes. fact, that's the reason you're on this program today is because I love preaching. And uh, Glenn, you just have a, a great gift of God for preaching. And a few months ago, you preached an incredible sermon about death. And uh, it was so good, I decided we've got to have you on this program to talk about it. And I'd like to get into it by quoting from Hebrews 2.15, which says that one of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth was to deliver those who live in lifelong bondage to the fear of death. Now, you spent what, 40 years almost in the ministry, right. and during that time you counseled with a lot of people. Yes. Do you find that people live in bondage to the fear of death? Absolutely. And, uh, and I've also, seems like it's increasing, I suppose, in this world we're living in now with uh, all the, you know, 24-hour news and with all the events going on in the world and the terrorism and, and social media where, you know, a mass shooting could be happening anywhere in the world and it's instantly everyone's aware of it. And, and uh, so, just the events, the times we're living in, it just seems that that's increasing, that people are becoming more terrified all the time. Well, it seems like a lot of people are fear of death because they don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. Right, right. I, you know, a lot of people don't know, they, they uh, especially, you know, people who don't know Jesus, they, they don't know what happens when, when I die. Do I just cease to exist? Do I become one with the cosmos? Do I, uh, am I uh, reincarnated? Or, or do I become all, an angel? Exactly. exactly. So, uh, <laughs> do you feel so, you know, that cartoons and movies and things kind of foster that? Uh, for instance, Star Wars, Yoda disappears and become one with the force or... It's a wonderful uh, life. Clarence becomes an, an angel, angel when he yeah. does his exactly good right. deed. They're yeah, constantly no getting these messages from the media saying this is what happens after you die. Is that clouding their views at well, all? Well, I think most people probably have their, their theology is probably developed more by TV and movies than okay. it is by uh, by the Bible, absolutely. Well, some people are just fear of the uh, of of death itself, the process of death. Uh, yeah, have you found that? Well, I, I think that people. Uh, what I've discovered is even believers uh, are are afraid to die because they really don't know really what the Bible says about heaven. For example, they. They, they're under the impression that uh, the Bible doesn't say very much about heaven. Well, we're going to talk about heaven some in the second half of this program because we need to. Because I found that if I ask people, what is your hope? They say, my hope is to go to heaven. And I say, well, what is heaven going to be like? And it's just yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah, don't even know. And they don't think like. anybody knows. And they <laughs> think that the Bible is pretty silent about it. And so, you know, there's nothing in, in their, their understanding of even heaven that gives them any comfort or inspiration. And, uh, and then a lot of people are afraid, I think, that, uh, that death is somehow uh, going to randomly happen to them or to their, their children or to their loved ones. And or I think, too, a lot of people are fear, afraid of death because they fear they're going to have a long, agonizing, painful yeah, death. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's how they're going to die. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, w how do you counsel people about these kind of fears? 
Well, we'll talk about heaven in the in the second part of the program today because I think uh, the Bible's uh, tells us a whole lot more about heaven than people think think yes, it, does. it does, and it's 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 exciting and uh, and so I think comforting. But for for me, one of the things that's been greatly comforting to me is a passage that's found in uh, Psalm one thirty nine uh, verse sixteen, I think it is, where the Lord is talking about, or David is talking about, how the Lord saw him when he was being formed in his mother's womb, yes. and God knit him together while he was uh, there, and and it says that you your eyes saw my unformed body before I was ever born, and said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Absolutely. And I believe that that none of us are, are a random accident. God had a purpose and plan for which He created every one of us. And so many people, it seems like that they, they think that they're born, and then God watches and observes them for a while, and sees what gifts and talents they have, and then tries to figure out what to do with them. But rather than that, I believe that the Bible says that that God has a purpose and plan that He is wanting to fulfill in this world at this time, at this moment in history, right where they are. And that God said, I need someone with these skills, these gifts, these talents, and God designed you. And so, you're not an accident. You, you're, you're a creation of God by design. And the Bible says that God knows every part of our life and He knows every day of our life from the time we're born to the time we die and all those days ordained for us before one of them comes to be. Wow. So therefore, I don't believe that it's possible for a child of God to randomly be killed or taken out or in an accident or an act of terrorism. God has it planned out in my life. I believe that Christians are absolutely indestructible until God gets ready to take us home. That argument was so powerful when my son decided he was going to take a life of a military. He wants to be in the Coast Guard for the rest of his life. But before he was considering joining ROTC, he was scared. He didn't want to die. And my wife counseled him with that very thing. Mm. She said, hey, the Lord knows your days. He knows when you're going to die. You are invincible till then. And I tell you, it was like a new person. Absolutely. He was now ready and he jumped right in and, and joined. And Absolutely. That works. That Absolutely. actually works. Well, Glenn, a lot of uh, churches uh, teach something called soul sleep. What do you think about that? Well, I, I know where they get it from. They get it from passages that you've probably taught on many times on this program. Uh, passages like First Thessalonians four, when it says that uh, that we shall, you know, that we, we're going to sleep, our, their bodies are asleep, and and but their soul and their spirit is in heaven, and so. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in Second yes. Corinthians chapter five. So, you know, when Jesus said to the thief on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise," he didn't say, "Well, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in a couple thousand years." You know, uh, he he said, "Today you're going to be with me in paradise." And so, uh, Luke chapter sixteen, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, yes. and immediately yes. uh, Lazarus is comforted in the place of the righteous dead, and the rich man is consciously alive. And, the, and well, you're right that there are so many references in the New Testament, in particular about. Uh, uh, the dead being asleep. But the point about that is that the moment we die our spirit goes to be with the Lord. And they use the concept of sleep because the body is in effect sleeping because a day is coming when that body is going to be resurrected. Absolutely. It's a temporary it's, condition. Yeah. yeah. So, it's yeah. A so they refer to the body as sleeping but correct. the soul is with the Lord. That's yeah. correct. It seems that as Eastern mysticism continues to infiltrate the United States, more and more people are believing in reincarnation. This idea that you come back and back, a Willie Nelson song, The Highwayman, where he keeps coming back as a different person. Uh, do you see that infiltrating the church? Do people believe in the church that they're coming back again and again in different lives? 
I haven't particularly run into that in, in our church and with people like that, but I, I don't have any doubt that you can see it pervading the, the culture, you yeah. know, that people are more and more beginning to believe that or that, you know, somehow when they die that uh, that they their energy is somehow, you know, united with uh, this oneness of the universe, all that Eastern, you know, religious thought. And so, but the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die and then after that, they're going to face judgment. Yes. And so you die once. You don't get reincarnated. And you come back, you die again. You get reincarnated, come back, die again. You you live, you die, and then the day is going to come that you're going to stand before judgment before the God. The result of a belief in reincarnation is just unbelievable. I, I, I'll never get over my trip to India and uh, saw people by the millions starving to death with cattle just roaming around everywhere and they wouldn't kill the cow to eat it because it might be aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or whatever because they're of their belief in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Or going to they have a temple uh, of rats where people go and they put uh, honey on them or whatever and lie on the floor and the rats come and eat off of them because the rats are reincarnated people, you know, and we've got to honor them. And the hotel I stayed in, every, every morning they had a uh, a basket of fruit uh, offered to the elephant uh, god and had a picture of the elephant there because they believe the elephant is a reincarnation of some human being. These kind of beliefs have an, have an impact upon the whole society. Well, what about the atheistic belief? Well, we hear all the time atheists say, after this, yeah, you just disappear, you're no more. And you got to wonder, well, did they get annihilated and come back from the dead to tell us that? Usually, they don't. They can't answer that. Yeah. And is there a concern in the church that there's annihilation? Well, you know, again, in, my, in our church, I, I've been fortunate to pastor the same church for 37 years, and so I, uh, we certainly don't believe that. And so, um, so most of the people who come to our church, I haven't found that. But, but clearly, in this society, we're we're leaving oh, yes. our biblical basis. Uh, and so, once you leave the truth, and you'll fall for the lie, any whatever lie. So. Well, uh, America has uh, the, the predominant philosophy in America today is humanism, the belief in man, and part of humanism is a belief that once you die, that's it, you're yeah. annihilated, it's over with. Such a wonderful hope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Jane, be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. One of the one of the saddest experiences of my life was. Um, there was a, in my first church that I pastored, um, there was a gentleman who was a wonderful man who came to our church, wonderful believer in Christ, but he only had one child and they were not even all that close and the child had uh, become part of a cult. And so they hadn't spoken in years. And so this uh, wonderful Christian man passes away. Well, his child then was in, was responsible for the funeral. So this person asked the leaders of their cult to do the funeral. So we're sitting at this service with this wonderful Christian man, but it's being conducted by the this cult that did not believe in that there was life after death. They believed that this was all there was. And I it, it struck me that it was one of the most hopeless situations I've ever seen uh, and been a part of as they had, no, what are they going to say? They had no hope. They had nothing to say, no comfort. Well, you know, that's one of the characteristics of Christianity as compared to other religions of the world. Most of the world, when there's a death, you hire professional mourners. And they come and they wail and they moan and as loud as they can because there seems to be no hope. But in Christianity, there's such hope, such incredible hope. 
I, I read once about some missionaries uh, who were in India, and they had been there for like 10 or 11 years and were just felt like they were getting nowhere, that they were not bringing anybody to the Lord. And one day they're out driving and they come around a corner and there's a truck and they hit head on, and, and two of their three children were killed. And so they had a funeral, and all their Indian friends that they had made during that 10 years came, and they were astonished that they were up there singing songs of celebration and, and talking about how they're with the Lord. And, and, all, and, and that then people began to come to the Lord mm-hmm. because they saw the difference in death for Christians and death for Hindus. Right. Absolutely. We have worked with uh, an unreached people group, our church has, and uh, in this particular group uh, they have no hope, of course, when, when people die. And when they've had people in their community that have passed away, it's what you said. Uh, they, they all get together for like 40 days. They just mourn and wail and, and, and dress in black. And it's just a hopeless culture, hopeless situation. Uh, it ought to be in the middle of that. We ought to be shining forth as bright lights, right? Because we have the hope that is, is in Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, uh, Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to die is gain. What in the world does that mean? Because most people think of death as loss. So what we're going to do is take a brief break, come back and start with that statement, to die is gain. What does that mean? Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Glenn Meredith, the pastor of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas. Well, Pastor Glenn, first uh, let's look at Philippians 1.21 again. I want to go back to that, what Dave said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can when you die you're gaining something? What does that mean? Well, I think it's important, the first part of that verse where Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Yes. And yes. only if that's true can you say to die is gain. If a person uh, does not know the Jesus Christ and if they have not lived their life for Him, then to die may be lost. If you've spent your life accumulating wealth, then to die would be loss. But if you've spent your life serving Jesus, uh, telling as many people as you can about Jesus, making your life count for the kingdom, then for you to die is is better. Paul goes right on to say in two verses later, I think it is, he says, you know, I'm torn between the two. That's right. He yeah. says, I, I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far, far better, he says. And so he, he says, he describes death as a departure. And a departure is like the beginning of a journey. And so he says, man, I, have a, I long to start this journey. And of course, the journey doesn't last very long. You know, it's kind of like if we went out to DFW Airport today and, and uh, we were taking a flight, you'd see a departure time and arrival time, and there's often hours in between. Well, Earth's departure time is heaven's arrival time. If, 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 you know, the moment Paul would say, I start this journey, we instantly are in the presence of the Lord. But departure, he says, I, I want to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And so we're going to talk about heaven and all the wonders and beauties and glories of heaven. But really what makes heaven, heaven is Jesus. Yeah. And Amen. so as I'm going to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And, and we, it, we find that attitude very seldom among Christians today. It, it's like we're clinging to this world like it's the only thing we've got instead of looking forward to what's coming ahead. Yeah. And uh, I, I wish we could get that attitude across. I, I know John Wesley once said, they said, what is the greatest accomplishment of your ministry? And he said, my people know how to die. Hmm. 
What yeah. a wonderful well, statement. Yeah. Well, Reminds me of that story of the rich man who had everything imaginable. And when he was dying, he was crying, oh, I'm leaving home. I'm leaving home. And then the poor pastor who devoted his life to the Lord, he was dying at the same time on the other side of town. And But when he was dying, he was saying, I am going home. I am going home. This life is not our home. That's our home. Exactly. And you conducted a funeral recently at your church that I didn't get to attend. Uh, but I heard a lot of people talking about it. They said that uh, you had given an illustration there that really impacted them about a person walking through a door. Right. Tell us about that. We were talking about how uh, the Bible says Jesus, uh, uh, when He died on the cross, He was buried in the tomb. But on the third day, He literally bodily rose again from the dead. And when He did, He conquered death, as yeah. the verse that you said uh, as we began in this program. In, in Revelation 1.18, He says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now I'm alive, and I now hold the keys to death and Hades. So, Jesus has the authority over death. And so, we see often in the, in the New Testament uh, death and, and this idea of, of between earth and heaven, it's almost like there's a door. And so, when Jesus was baptized, for example, it says, and heaven opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove. John was taken up through a door. John, it says, you know, the door opened in heaven. I heard a voice saying, come up here. And, and he went up. When Stephen was, was being martyred and, and, and stoned to death, it says, he says, I look, he said, I see heaven open. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Uh, even uh, Peter, uh, when he has the vision on the in Joppa, uh, yeah. on on Simon the right. Tanner's home, it says, "And heaven opened, and something like a giant sheet let yeah. let down at heaven." So, so I imagine that between earth and and this, you know, heaven, and between us and the Lord, it's like this door. And Jesus said, "I have the key." And I'm in control of when it happens. And so, when it comes time for us to die, I believe Jesus just takes that key, reaches down and opens that door. And I, I believe as a believer that we just look right through that door and we just step through the door and we're right there with well, the Lord, right into glory. And then what do we see on the other side? Well, I, I, I have a wild imagination, I suppose, but well, I let me, often... Let me just interject a thought before you do that. And that is that uh, when I was growing up in the church, we were taught that heaven was going to be an ethereal place, right. and that we would be sort of uh, disembodied spirits floating around on clouds playing harps. However, that I, works. I couldn't get excited yeah, about that. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's the problem that people just don't know what uh, any idea of what what's ahead of them, so they cling to this world. Right. My wife ever is in a mental uh, a, a memory care facility right now. I go and read to her every evening, and when, before I leave her, I say, "Now, Anne, do you remember our theme verse?" And our theme verse is Romans eight verse eighteen. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. Talk about that glory. Well, I, I love your point about how heaven is uh, not this ethereal, mystical place. And I think a lot of people, including believers, uh, get their theology of heaven more from movies and TV shows. Because every Eastern time, religion. every time you see it pre presented on the screen, yeah. it's always a cloudy, yeah. stark white. Uh, like they're trying to create that it's otherworldly. Yes. So, yes. But and it is in that that sense. But but the Bible says heaven is a real place and it's a physical city. Yes. And most people don't realize, most Christians don't even realize that heaven is not a spiritual place. It's a physical city. It has dimensions. The Bible says it's a massive city that is 1,500 mile cubic city, 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high, that 
in, in this city that there's, there's walls. The Bible says the walls of that city are made out of jasper, crystal clear, which is, uh, I've, I've been told by, or read that scholars say that that word jasper is a Bible word for diamonds. Oh. And so can you imagine a, 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 this beautiful city with diamond walls and, and the, the Bible says the, the city is made out of gold. It's so pure, it's transparent. The Bible tells us that this city has a main street. It calls it the great street of the city. So imagine main street heaven and that it, it, it makes its way and it ends right at the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb, which is right in the center of the city. And so you get this mental picture that Revelation chapter 21, 22, chapter 22, it says, and the river of life flowing from the throne of God flows down the middle of that great street. So you have Main Street Heaven, which is paved out of gold, which is like this boulevard with the river of life flowing down the middle of it. And on either side of the river is the tree of life. Wow. Now, I picture in my mind that lining this, this, <laughs> this river down Main Street is the tree of life on either side. And it's just going to be beautiful. Puts and out a different fruit every month. Every month. I, went, I, I grew up thinking that when you got to heaven, that was just timeless, that everything was the same all the time. And you don't eat, but there's you don't a tree eat. you eat from. There's right? a tree that every month it says that it produces a new crop of fruit, and it says that there's 12 crops of fruit, yeah. which means that every year. There's yeah. time. There's time in, in heaven. And so you and have. There's tangible bodies. That's right. People. Glorified bodies. Jesus. Immortal. Jesus rose in a physical body. They recognized him. When he, he said, touch me, I'm not a ghost, touch me, I'm, I'm, I'm flesh and bones. And so when he ascended into heaven, he ascended in the physical That's body. Right. Yeah. So he's not been sitting up in, on a cloud for 2,000 years. He's in a physical city and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We're going to one day be, uh, these same bodies that we have here are going to be resurrected. They're going to be physical bodies and heaven is being prepared for people who live in physical bodies to be in this place called the Father's house or heaven. And that is, I've heard you say so wonderfully, the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so then one day when this earth is, is uh, remade by the Lord, then what we know as heaven now, the Father's house is going to descend, yeah. basically become the capital city of earth. And we're going to live forever here on earth in physical bodies in this wonderful place that God's preparing for us. So it's all for real. It is. It's real. It's glorified bodies, new bodies in a new Jerusalem on a new earth forever and ever in the presence of our Creator and our Redeemer. Absolutely. Except the curse has been lifted. There's no sin. There's no suffering. No pain. No, no pain, death. No pain. What is this what Jesus says that we get to sit on His throne during that time period? Wow. The, isn't it incredible that uh, that the Lord gives us the, the opportunity that we're going to What we do church. for Christ yeah. now wow. that determines what our role, I think, in eternity is going to be. And okay. as we've talked about before, I think, on this program, that, you know, what we do in this life now, the Bible says there's going to be rewards and there's going to be distinctions when we get to heaven one day. And so when we get to heaven, then if we've been faithful, we've lived for Christ now, we've been faithful in the responsibility He's given us now, then for all eternity, we're going to be able to serve the Lord in whatever responsibility He gives us. But there'll be degrees of responsibility and and opportunities to reign with Him. It's a bit pretty and, amazing. And you have such wonderful teachings on the rewards. And and one of the points that you often make is those rewards are eternal, and we'll be able to look at this crown or that crown and see that this was a mortar and this was a pastor and this was a, a bishop and so forth yeah. and so on. And uh, 
uh, often people respond to me by saying, well, but wouldn't that create a lot of jealousy? How do you respond to that? That's a good question. Uh, and, and I think we, we logically deduce, therefore, that, well, it couldn't possibly be true because we'd be jealous. It's all socialism yeah. up in heaven. Right? Well, it's sort of like, you know, my son's here with me today in the, in, the, in the studio. And if my son somehow was able to accomplish something in life and and uh, that was far greater than anything I, I have ever done. You wouldn't be jealous of him. I wouldn't be jealous of him. I would rejoice with him. I'd be proud of him. Be happy Furthermore, we're not going to have that sin nature. That's exactly right. So I believe when we see other we believers rejoice. in heaven, we're going to rejoice with them. We're going to look at them and go, man, good job. You know, way to we'll go. thank the missionaries. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the Holy Spirit's work through us too. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, another passage that I often quote to my wife is another statement by Paul and it's over in the Corinthians letters, and that is, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the mind of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But the very next verse says, But the Spirit has revealed these things to us. And there's so much that's revealed in the Scriptures concerning heaven that most people know nothing about. That's right. Over 500 times in the Scriptures it talks about heaven. It calls it different things. The Father's house, it calls it the abode or the, the dwelling place of God, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the, uh, the city of our God, and, and many other terms. But over 500 times it talks about this place called heaven, this real place that God is preparing for us. And so it's, a, it's going to be, well, I don't think anybody's ever going to get to heaven. And when they get there, I don't think anybody's going to go, well, it's not quite as good as I thought it was going to be. I saw one time a, a <laughs> poll that was taken among pastors, this several years ago, and they asked, what was the most common passage that people ask to be read, have read to them when they're dying? And I thought it would be the 23rd Psalm, but, and I'm sure that's asked. But they said no. There was John 14, mm -hmm. verses 1 through uh, Three, where Jesus talked about He's preparing a place for you. He said, people love to hear that passage. That's right. And when I, I'll go prepare it and then I'll come and get you. That where I am, there you can be. So, we should be looking forward to heaven, not being afraid of That's it. That's exactly right. Okay. We can live in this world with the confidence that we're indestructible until God gets ready to take us home. When He gets ready to take us home, there's nothing but glory and gain. And when we get ready to step through that door, even then the Bible says that God is with us. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Glenn Meredith, the pastor of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas. Glenn, your fantastic sermon on death, I think you have one on heaven and Dr. Reagan does as well, is posted on your website. Could you let folks know how they can find those? Absolutely. If you go to our church website, brookhavenchurch.com slash heaven, then Dr. Reagan's wonderful sermon on heaven's there, and there's two other ones there I think you'll enjoy. Well, Glenn, it's always a joy and a blessing to have you on the set. Thank you for being here today. And folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing that you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. What will happen when you die? This monumental question is answered by Dr. David Reagan's book titled, Eternity, Heaven or Hell? The book also addresses many other questions concerning life after death, such as, when will believers and unbelievers be resurrected? What kind of judgment will they face? What will heaven be like? Is hell for real? Are there many roads to God? How can we be certain of life after death? For the answers to these questions and many others concerning life after death, get a copy of Dr. Reagan's book for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. 
Just call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. If you'd like to learn even more about what happens when you die, we have a very special offer. Order the Eternity Book and get a complimentary copy of Dr. Reagan's video, Heaven, Its Nature and Meaning, for a donation of $20, including shipping. The Heaven video contains three 25-minute videos about various aspects of Heaven. Just ask for offer number 861. Again, you can order Dr. Reagan's book, Eternity, Heaven or Hell, and get a complimentary copy of the Heaven, Its Nature and Meaning DVD for a donation of $20 or more, including shipping. Call the number you see on the screen or order online at lamblion.com. Ask for offer number 861. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 